The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. And Christmas season, and we're looking at how the arrival of Jesus makes all things new. And so last week, uh, we looked at how his arrival uh, made... Uh, gave us a new joy. I don't know, what was it? Okay, gave us a new joy. I'm sure you all remembered. Uh, gave us a new joy. And this week, we're going to look at how the arrival of Jesus gives us a new name. And we're going to look at it through the text I just read, through the, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 62. Uh, we did a series on him a few weeks back, and uh, we just missed him so much. We thought, hey, you know, let's come back and, and visit our boy Isaiah. So, so here we are hanging out with him. Uh, but as we get our minds around what it means for Jesus to give us a new name, real quick, talk with someone near you. Uh, about your name. What is it and what does it mean if you know what it means? Um, and by the way, if you're a regular attender here and you see someone here you don't know, it's on you to initiate that conversation, so please do that. And uh, so real quick, new name, go. What's your name? What does it mean? I get to share mine really loud. <laughs> what does your name mean, Gail? A strong wind? Oh, like a gale force wind. Love it. Love it. Powerful. That's right. That's right. It's good. All right. We'll circle back here. Uh, so... You know, I don't know, I, I got to talk with Gail, actually, I never get to talk with anyone, but we had a good talk, and, and her name is Gail, means strong wind, like a gale-forced wind, so strong, powerful. Uh, so my name, full name, my full name is actually Robert Gabriel, which sounds like a great fashion designer, but, uh, but I, I just go by Gabe, so we'll just say Gabriel, and, uh, and Gabriel means messenger of God, messenger of God, and uh, it's, it's my job, it's, it's my life's work to actually convey the messages of God to God's people. So I think I can say without being, sounding too arrogant that I, I kind of live up to my name, which is really great. I'm really excited about it. Uh, my son Titus, however, um, so Titus means strong, uh, but his middle name is Jacob. So Titus, and Jacob means deceiver. Uh, so Titus Jacob is strong deceiver. Uh, and so I'm, I'm praying that he does not live up to his name. Uh, and, and truth be told, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, because names can oftentimes be misleading, right? Uh, I actually, this happened to me a few weeks ago. Melissa got me tickets uh, to a concert for a band I wanted to see called Listener, and they're playing down at Red 7, and uh, the opening act for this band uh, was called the Homeless Gospel Choir. And uh, this band's really weird, and, and so I, I kind of thought, there's a slight possibility that this could actually be a homeless gospel choir that's opening for, for this other band. Uh, and so I was all excited, going to go see this homeless gospel choir. And so, so I go, and I, and I actually, I missed the, the opening act, uh, long story there. But anyways, afterwards, went to the homeless gospel choir's merch table. And I talked to the guy standing there, and I said, hey, you know, I missed the band. Uh, so is it, I asked him, I was like, is it really a, a homeless gospel choir? And he said, well, I'm the homeless gospel choir. He says, it's just me. And he goes, and I own a home. Um, and as far as gospel goes, he's like, uh, I'm an atheist, so I don't you know, really believe in that. And as far as a choir, once again, it's, it's just me, he said. So it's, it's really the homeowner's atheist solo, you know. And is, so um, I said just names can be misleading, right? And, and in this context, of course, that's not a big deal. You know, it's a catchy name for him. That's great. But in the, the context that Isaiah is writing in, 
in, in those ancient days, your name carried a lot of weight. What your name was really, really mattered because your name got at the core of who you were. Your name was your identity. And this is something that we see throughout Scripture. That in the Old Testament, God calls a man named Abram, and Abram means father. But God says to Abram, you're not just going to be a father. You're going to be the father of, of, of descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so Abram's name gets changed to Abraham, father of many. And then we go continue on in the Old Testament, and we have Jacob. And Jacob ends up in a wrestling match with God, as one does. And, um, and, and at the end of the match, God says to him, your name is no longer Jacob, it's now Israel. And Israel means to wrestle with God. And so then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we have the nation of Israel, and they wrestle with God. But we see this idea of names continue in the New Testament that, that Jesus has a follower named Simon. And he says, Simon, your name is no longer going to be Simon, but it's going to be Peter, which means rock. Because it's on the rock of your confession, Peter, that I'm going to build my church. And then we get to the book of Acts, and there's Saul. And Saul means great. It means big. And Saul persecuted the church. But then he met Jesus, became a Christian, converted, and his name changed to Paul. And Paul means small. And so we see throughout the rest of the New Testament that, that Paul makes himself small in order to make Jesus great, in order to make his name big. Names mean a lot. Again and again throughout Scripture, your name gets at your identity. It gets at the core of your being, who you are. And so that's what we see in our text for today. That God gives us a new identity. This new name really means a new identity. And so it gives us a new identity that leads to a new activity, which forces us to live into a new reality. New identity, new activity, new reality. And see, this is super important for us to get this morning. Because if we were to, to actually see ourselves, if we were to actually receive this new name from God, actually receive this new identity from God, it would shift how we do everything. That if we actually recognize how God sees us, and if when we looked in the mirror, that's what we saw too, it would shift how we do everything. And so let's get going. Let's look at new identity. Look with me at verses 1 to 2. Isaiah is speaking and he says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And so Isaiah is speaking and he says, for the sake of Zion, for the sake of Jerusalem, in other words, for the sake of God's people. That's another way to say, for the sake of God's people, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to be quiet until I see their salvation come. I'm not going to be quiet until the nations see the glory of who they are, until they see their righteousness abound. He says, I'm not going to stop talking until that happens, until they're given a new name. And so he's speaking of a time when God's people will be saved and made glorious and receive this new name, this new identity. He's speaking of a time when God's people will be made new. And so what's this new identity going to be? Well, he tells us in the next couple of verses. Look with me at three and four. He says, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, 
and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land is married. All right, so Isaiah says here, you'll be a a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in his hand. And then he says, and this is what your name's not going to be. Your name's not going to be this anymore. You're not going to be called the forsaken. You're not going to be desolate. No, no, God's going to give you a new name. And what's that new name? It's, It's one word in Hebrew, but unfortunately for us, it's five in English. The name is, my delight is in her. And then the other name is married. My delight is in her. Now, now what's that all about? What's the deal with this new identity? Why is God calling his people that? Well, we need a little bit of context. Uh, If you were to look through the Old Testament, what you see is is that God's people in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, uh, they they sin a lot. Like, they just make mistakes. And and they, they worship false gods. And so what happens is, in the midst of their sin, they get conquered by foreign power after foreign power. And they get taken over by nation after nation. And so they reach this point where they start to see themselves like, God, do you even care about us anymore? We're forsaken. We're desolate. But see, what Isaiah is saying here is there's going to be a day when we won't be able to say that anymore. A day is going to come when you're going to know that we're not forsaken, that we're not desolate. That God actually delights in you. That he rejoices over you. And so how does that happen? Well, the good news is we have, we have hindsight. And so we can look back and, and we can say, all right, so the, the people of God get a new name. They're, they're no longer forsaken, desolate. Why does that happen? How does that happen? It happens at Christmas. It happens when God comes down. That in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God enters into the world. The Son of God, who Proverbs 8 tells us, is the one in whom God delights. God delights, but he comes and is forsaken so that we don't have to be. He comes and he goes to the cross and is left there desolate so that we can be embraced, so that we can know forever and always that when God looks at us, he says, my delight is in you. I'm married to you forever. It's good news. We get a new name. We get a new name. And it's in Jesus that the people of God are given a new name, right? Again and again in the New Testament, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And that's, that's no mistake. It's, it's referencing back to this text. That, and I know it's weird for us guys, bride of Christ, feeling comfortable. Get over it. Okay, that's just what it says. Okay, married to Jesus. We're united to him forever. Listen to verse 5. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. You see, Jesus is the one who brings the new name. And he creates a new people. He creates the church, you and me. Those of us gathered here today, those of us gathered around the globe. So Jesus comes, he, he pays the price for our sins to give us a new name. Jesus is forsaken, right? Meaning Jesus takes on the identity of the forsaken. Jesus takes on the identity of the desolate so that you and I can be embraced. So that you and I can be the ones in which God delights over for eternity. And now all that sounds really good, right? That's, that's great, good thing. Uh, but the struggle is, it's so easy to forget that. 
It's so easy for us to look at, at our world around us and say, my identity could not possibly be the one in whom God delights over. My identity could, could not possibly be the one in whom God rejoices in. Not possible. And so Isaiah tells us that God has a plan to help people remember this. Look with me at verses 6 and 7. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. All right, so God gives us a new identity. He knows how quickly we're going to forget it. And so verse 6 says that he's going to put watchmen on the walls that all day and all night, they're never going to be quiet. They're going to put the Lord in remembrance. They're going to remind us who we are. They're going to remind us who we are in Christ. Now just real quick, think about who's someone you know that all day and all night, they never stop talking and they just remind you who you are in Christ. Again and again and again, they just keep talking all day and all night, and their job is to remind you who you are in Christ. The same word for watchman in Hebrew, if you were to translate it into Greek, is the word for overseer. And when we understand the word overseer, we understand what it means to be a pastor. That that's my job. Like, that's it. Like, I just get to come up here and remind you who you are in Christ. So I love this verse. I'm like, how oh, I got a shout out? Uh, so that's... That's what I get to say. And I love it. That however, whenever, wherever, my job is to say, this is who God says you actually are. That regardless of when you look in the mirror and you see the guy who maybe isn't living up to snuff and you see the mom who's at her wit's end and you see the kid who couldn't live up to his parents' expectations, my job is to say, no, that's not who you are. No, ultimately, you're one in whom God delights over. Ultimately, you're one in whom God rejoices over. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, you're one in whom God delights over. That's your identity. That's the core of who you are. And so some of you say, well, that's very nice, Pastor. Very nice. But come on, like, how does that impact me right now? How does it impact me right now? Easy. Your identity determines your activity. Your identity determines your activity. Uh, I recently read an article on, on NPR about uh, Neil Tyson. This, this guy was writing about the, the famous astrophysicist Neil Tyson. And uh, Neil Tyson uh, doesn't believe in God, uh, but he's, he's very uncomfortable with being called an atheist uh, because as the writer, I'm going to quote her here, uh, she says he doesn't want to be called an atheist because he doesn't share in the same behaviors that often accompany atheism. And so then she gives examples of these behaviors that he participates in that are like... Yeah, why would an atheist do that? Uh, and they're really, I thought they were hilarious. So one of them is when his family's on road trips, their favorite thing to listen to is Jesus Christ Superstar. And so, you know, he's like, I don't know if I should do that. Um, and, then, um, and then the other one is he, he always stands during Handel's Messiah. And now, as a theist, like, I have no problem with Neil Tyson listening to a 70s rock opera about Jesus. Like, that's fine, okay? But, but I appreciate his apprehension about the relationship, about the relationship between what it means for him to, uh, what he believes about the universe, what he believes to be true about himself, and how that influences his actions. Right? See, he gets that. That your identity determines your activity. And so firefighters... 
fight fires. And boxers box. And teachers teach. And players going to play, 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 play. <laughs> Haters going to hate, 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 hate. I'm just going to shake, shake. All right. Your identity, just making sure you're awake this morning. Your identity determines your activity. Your identity determines your activity. And this is what we see in our text. That because the one in whom God delights was forsaken, Jesus, your name is no longer forsaken. Your name now is one in whom God delights. And can you imagine if that's how you actually saw yourself? Can you imagine what that would be like? That if you actually looked in the mirror and you saw yourself and said, oh, I'm the one in whom God delights. I'm one in whom God rejoices over. I'm not the guy who's, who's not keeping up with the Joneses. I'm not the guy who's suffering from this mental illness. I'm not the gal who's dealing with this, that, and the other thing. No, no, no. I'm not my failures. I'm not my successes. I'm not my job. I'm the one in whom God delights. At the very core of my being, at the very center of who I am. Can you imagine if we actually believe that? Like, how would that change your activity? How would that change your activity? Well, Isaiah tells us a couple ways that it would. Look with me at verse 10. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the peoples. So there's two things we see here. There's, there's two ways uh, that, that from this new identity we get in Christ, it leads to a new activity. The first thing we do is we go through, go through the gates. What does that mean to go through the gates? Well, what gates is Isaiah talking about? Well, in the context of this verse, he's talking about the gates of Zion, the gates of the city of God. And so he's saying, enter through the gates, enter into the city of God where the people of God are. Go and be with the community of God. Go and be with them. And, and, and uh, we remember, in Hebrew, if you say something twice like that, it's a superlative. So there's an urgency here. He's saying, really do it. Like, this is really important. Like, go through the gates. Enter the city. Own the identity that God has given you in the community of his people. Own the identity that God has given you in the community of his people in the local church. Enter the gates, join up with the new people of God. And see, so I say that, and, and I know some of you, like you're up here and hear me talking about, okay, Christ has given you a new name, he, he delights over you, that's all very well and good, but, but you're not ready to enter the gates. Like, you, you don't want to walk in. You're not ready to walk through the gates and be with the people of God. And why? There's a bunch of reasons, but one that I believe is common is you don't want to lose control. Like, if this identity in Christ were a new thing, if that real thing, if that really defined you, if God really made a new people through Jesus, and then if this new people he created was the church, and you were made to be a part of that, and if you fully walked through the gates, fully entered into that, it would inherently conflict with how you want to run your life. And you don't want that. So you show up here once in a while, but you don't want to get too involved. You don't want to be one of those people. But Isaiah says to us, man, he says, enter the gates. 
Get in with the people of God. Realize your identity in the community of people that I've redeemed. I recently read an article titled, It's Okay to Call Yourself a Christian. It's a great title. And, uh, and the, the point of this article was about how so often people in our culture, in our individualistic and frankly narcissistic culture, uh, want to avoid identifying themselves as being part of the church, as being Christian. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but not like those weirdos, right? And the author, Lillian Daniel, she closes with these brilliant words. She says this, In a culture of narcissism, the easiest way to follow Jesus is from a distance, on a solo stroll to the beat of the same drummer you have listened to your whole life, your own personal preferences and already held beliefs. From a distance, you are safe from the assault of community. Because there you might actually bump into humanity. You might hit up against something you disagree with. You might have to listen to music you don't like. You might get asked to share your stuff. You might learn from a tradition far older than you and realize how small you are standing before such a legacy. You might even be asked to worship something other than yourself. You see, the first way we live into the identity that Christ has given us is to walk through the gates, to link yourself up with the community of people that God has placed here on this earth. It's the first thing you do. And then if you look with me at verse 10, again, the second thing you do, so you go through the gates, and then you build up, build up the highway. You clear it of stones. Why do you do that? So you can lift up a signal over the peoples. And I love that. In other words, you get to work, right? Your identity, okay, I'm one who God delights in. I've entered through the gates. I've joined myself up with the community of God's people. And now we get to work, son. Get to work. Verse 11, Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. You get to work clearing stones so that people can know who this God is that gives us a new name. You get to work moving stones so that more and more people can receive this new name, so that more and more people can receive this identity. Get this identity. Move into the community of God's people. And then you get to work bringing more people in. You get to work moving stones, clearing the highway so the city's easier to get into. So this week, uh, someone at the Leander ISD contacted me and said, uh, we have a family in need. They're, they're two months behind on their rent, and they're, they're going to be evicted. Uh, can your church do anything? And, uh, and for the record, that is a no-brainer for our church. Like, yes, we can. We'll figure it out. And, uh, and so, you know, we got a lot going on with the Glocal, so I didn't want to just do a big love offering. And, and so I just made a list of families that I'd call up and, and see who could help out. And uh, as I, I made this list, I just started to get, like, overjoyed because I was like, oh, yeah, well, they definitely would, and they definitely would. And I just, I was like, well, I have to write down everyone who's part of our church. Like, I, it, was, it was awesome. And I just thought, all right, well, I'll just pick a family to start with. And so the, the first family I called said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of all that, and, and we'll take care of their Christmas for them. That's moving stones right? Moving stones, preparing the highway. Uh, read an article this week that said 60,000 shoeboxes were delivered by Samaritan's Purse. Amen. That's good. It's good to, uh, to, to kids in, in, in Syria and in Iraq who are displaced by ISIS and the conflict going on there. 79 of those boxes were filled by you. It's moving stones. A couple weeks ago, I spoke with our leadership teams 
our elders and our management team. And I talked to them about how we have this possibility of, of planting two new churches in 2016. Uh, that more and more people in this city can hear the gospel, that more and more people can be connected to Jesus. And our leaders unanimously said, yes. It's moving stones. And see, I know, so many, I was even just hearing stories this morning. So many of you spend your time investing in other people, caring for other people, praying for those who are in your life that don't know Jesus, and you're just pouring yourself out for the sake of others. It's moving stones. And the list could go on and on, but you see how a new identity, it leads to a new activity. New identity leads to a new activity. When you see yourself as one who God delights over, as you enter the gates of the city, God starts moving stones through you. So let your identity in Christ sink in deep. As you do that, watch your actions change. And as you do that, you'll experience a greater reality. Look with me at our final verse. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. And so we see that as these people live into the new name that God has given them, they, they, don't, they don't see it just as a, this thing floating away, like, okay, pastor says, God delights in me. No, they actually experience it as a concrete reality in their life. They, they really start to live into it, and they start to see what that's like in every area of their life. Now, we look at this first, and can I tell you, because of Jesus, you are holy, you are redeemed, you are sought out, you are not forsaken. Nothing changes that. But as you live into that identity... As that changes your activity, your view of reality starts to shift. You start to see things differently. So uh, I, I do this new thing now, which has been really awesome. Let me close with this. Where uh, once a month, I, I meet with my friend Corey, and she's a, a barista at, at our beloved Roasters. And, uh, and I don't think she'd call herself a Christian. She's all right with me saying that. Uh, but she, what she does is she listens to my sermons the month before. And then her and I sit down, and, and because she comes, like, you know, I grew up in the church, so I've got, like, these blinders on what I think everyone knows. And so I say, you know, what didn't make sense to you? What rang true for you? You know, whatever. And we, we walk through this stuff. And, and anyways, uh, she listened to a message I, I spoke about on, on work and God's calling in our day-to-day -day work. And she said, you know, I thought that was so stupid. <laughs> uh, and, and she goes, she's like, I'm a barista. She's like, you know what? I coffee is my calling. I'm like, well, just where you're at right now, yeah, God's using you here. And she's like, okay. She's like, but it did make me think of, of something that Wendy said to me when I first started here. So Wendy is the co-owner of Roasters, uh, a good friend of, of mine and hers who uh, passed away this past summer uh, from cancer. And, and, um, and she said, yeah, my first day here, I saw this note from Wendy and I thought this is just the goofiest thing. But she said, after listening to your message, I, I wanted to show it to you. And so, so she showed it to me. I just want to read to you what Wendy wrote. She's a strong Christian lady. She said this. So they got a thank you note from a customer. And then underneath it, Wendy wrote this. Why are we here? Why this coffee shop? Why the long hours on our feet? Because God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. He is shining through us and redeeming the hurting and the broken. Thank you, Father. Let all who enter see you. Now, I share it with you because my friend Wendy was this incredible woman of faith. 
I just want to show you what that looks like. When she, she got that identity, she understood who she was in Christ, that she was one in whom God delighted over her. And that changed her activity so much that as she went about running a coffee shop, she saw God at work there in a myriad of ways. Her reality shifted. And that's my prayer for you. That you would see your identity as one in whom God delights over. You'd see yourself united to him. That that would shape your actions and ultimately that that would shape your reality. If you all please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for my friends who are gathered here today. Thank you for your word that teaches us, that challenges us, but ultimately, Lord, that shows us who we are, that shows us that in you we are loved, we are redeemed, we are forgiven. We thank you for that. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.